internet, welcome to Film Theory, the show where the theories go round and round, round and round, all through the town. So as the parent of a child born in a post-YouTube world, there has been no escape from Coco Melon. Even if their content isn't exactly to your taste, No, no, I don't like it. Something involving this entertainment behemoth has likely crossed your feed before. Believe it or not, but this right here is the third most subscribed channel on YouTube right now. And who knows, it might very well be primed to take the number one spot someday. In fact, the meteoric rise of Coco Melon sparked a bit of a feud with PewDiePie back in the day, when they were about to surpass him in subscribers. He actually made a diss track about Coco Melon when they were in a neck and neck race for subscribers, which then got removed from YouTube for cyberbullying and child safety. It's really funny, I'm not gonna lie. That said, if somehow you've managed to dodge this series, please tell me how. Please, please get it to leave me alone. Anyway, Coco Melon is a um a show, network, collection of nursery songs. Basically, it's like the infant version of MTV right here on YouTube.com, where the cast of animated characters sing nursery rhymes to children and promote good habits like eating vegetables and saying please and thank you. Time to wear your shoes. Yes, yes, I want to wear my shoes. Riveting, he said, obviously not riveted. Believe or not, but Coco Melon's actually been around in one form or another since 2006, when a filmmaker named Jay Gion and his wife, a cartoonist, started making simple animated videos to educate their kids, teaching them stuff like their ABCs. They uploaded these videos onto their YouTube channel, which eventually evolved into ABC Kid TV, and they started focusing on 3D animations. The channel began shifting more towards nursery rhymes, and eventually new characters were introduced, like the creatively named Mommy and Daddy, along with their children Tom Tom, Yo Yo, and JJ. The channel would eventually change its name to Coco Melon, complete with all the videos that we know and tolerate to this very day. Now, we here at Team Theorist are no strangers to the fact that these shows made for children can be strange. And if you look at them through the lens of facts and logic, you start to notice things that don't quite add up. So when I started seeing some theories floating around online that JJ, the youngest of the Coco Melon crew, was adopted, I got really excited. I mean, we've already proven that another YouTube nursery rhyme sensation, Baby Shark, was adopted. So could the same thing be happening here? The earliest version of this fan theory that I could find comes from, believe it or not, the Coco Melon fandom wiki, with this page being created on December 10th, 2020. And what's the evidence that they present here that JJ's adopted? One, his hair is blonde, while the rest of the family's hair is a much darker brown or red. Two, there is no number two. <laughs> Wait, really? That's it? That is the only real piece of evidence that they're hanging this fan theory on. I gotta be real with you guys, when I first saw this, it surprised me. This is barely a hypothesis, let alone a theory, but believe it or not, there is actually a bit more to stand on than you might first expect. Break out your textbooks, friends, we're jumping back into some high school biology and hereditary genetics. When it comes to physical characteristics like eye color, blood type, whatever, it all comes down to dominant and recessive genes. You've probably heard this like a thousand times before, so we won't dwell on it too long. Basically, your parents each have two genes, and both parents pass down just one of those genes to their children. Some of these genes take priority over others, thus making them the dominant gene. So let's say your parents pass down a type A and a type O blood type gene. You'll end up with type A blood because it's the dominant gene there. But if both your parents pass down the recessive type O gene, even if both your parents have type A blood themselves, then you're gonna still end up with type O blood. You can actually map out all these potential outcomes and how likely they are with a helpful little diagram called a Punnett square, which again, we've talked about plenty in the past, let's not dwell. But 
that. All of that being said, that whole dominant recessive gene thing, it is one of those big lies that tends to get taught in schools, because genetics, go figure, is a lot more complicated than the shorthand given to it in those textbooks. Case in point, hair color. Instead of being a simple case of the brunette gene is dominant over the blonde gene, there's way more going on in a system called incomplete dominance. Imagine you have a red flower and a white flower. In a typical Punnett square system, you might think that the red would be the dominant color, so if you breed those two together, you're gonna end up with another red flower. But then all of a sudden you get confused when the flower turns out to be pink. The long and short of what's happening here is that the dominant gene is being diluted by the recessive gene. This is what happens with hair color. See, the actual genes being passed on here control how much you melanin and feel melanin you have in your hair, and those determine what color your hair is. Melanin is the natural pigment that's found in organisms. Eumelanin is a darker pigment, and pheomelanin is a lighter pigment that often skews red. Typically, eumelanin overpowers pheomelanin, so if you have a lot of eumelanin, then you're gonna have black hair. If you have almost no eumelanin and more pheomelanin, then your hair is gonna be red. Blonde and brown hair, then, fall into the spectrum between those two colors. Thanks to incomplete dominance, your hair is likely gonna be a mix of the colors that your parents have, and this is exactly what we're seeing with Cocomelon. When you really look at each of the characters, they all have slightly different hair colors because they have different amounts of eumelanin. So boom, there you go. It's not only possible for JJ to be blonde, but it's possible for all five of these characters to end up with differently colored hair, period. And even if we discount all of this, it would still be possible for JJ to have blonde hair while the rest of the family doesn't. See, a child's hair can fall out quickly. It can grow back quickly. And most importantly for us, it can change color quickly. As a child matures, the amount of eumelanin in the hair tends to increase, darkening the color. In some extreme cases, it can even take a child with platinum blonde hair and turn it jet black within the span of a few months. Something similar actually happened with me. I started out as a blonde baby before ending up as a brunette by the time I was in first grade. Out of curiosity, I actually asked around the team if this had happened to any of them, and no fewer than 10 of us had the exact same story. And you don't have to take our words for it either. One study found that babies can have lighter hair for between 9 and 30 months, and after age 3, it becomes progressively darker until it settles into the final color around age 5. So even if it were impossible for JJ to be blonde genetically, which again, it isn't, if he were this young, there'd still be a good chance that he could be blonde while the rest of his family isn't. Therefore, there just isn't enough here to say that he's adopted. Theory busted. So is, um, is that it? As I was looking into this whole theory, I noticed something else about JJ. Something that is far more concerning than just the kid potentially being adopted. And it all starts with his age. If we're going off the whole blonde hair that can darken with age thing that we just talked about, that means that JJ is younger than five years old, which visually checks out. I mean, he's a baby, but we can get more specific than that. So my first thought was, well, what do we see JJ doing in Cocomelon that could help us pinpoint his age? As children get older, they're able to do more and more. It's like they're leveling up, unlocking new abilities. And typically, children are able to unlock the same abilities at roughly the same time. Some of the first that might come to mind when determining a child's age might be whether they can walk or whether they can talk. Throughout the series, we see JJ walking on his own without the aid of his parents or siblings. Most children are able to start doing this between the ages of 10 and 18 months. This also lines up with how much we see JJ speaking. Or singing, I guess in this case. As I'm sure you know, a baby's vocabulary, it ain't... This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
that great. A goo goo here, a gaga there. An average 18 month old should only be able to say roughly between 20 and 200 words. Your average three year old can say up to a thousand words. So how many words are we looking at JJ knowing? Well, despite the fact that JJ isn't singing all the parts in all the songs across Coco Melon, it is implied that he's at least singing parts of the chorus. Got his own solo parts. It's a great day on Coco Melon Lane. Thankfully, due to the nature of nursery rhymes, many of the Coco Melon songs have repeated words and phrases, because repetition is key to a child's development and a parent's insanity. The amount of new words that JJ says in each song varies depending on the repetition of the song and whether or not it's covering a new topic. For instance, both here, you'll be the cleanest dog I've ever seen. And here, the rhyme and message are basically the same, with just a couple of words switched out. And then in other places, specific words will be reused across songs. I want a bed like big kids have, a nice new bed like big kids have. Oh, wait! There's something wrong. Oh, my bed is too big! Because of this, the number of new words that JJ Sand per song can vary between 7 and 20. Though the actual Cocomelon YouTube channel has over a thousand uploads, many of them are either old videos without the Cocomelon cast, repeats of songs that they've already covered, or compilations of related content. Because of this, we're only going to be looking at the songs released on the Cocomelon Kids Hits albums, which will lowball the number, if anything. There are 10 songs on each of the 13 albums, totaling 130 songs. Doing some quick math there, that means that on these albums, JJ has a vocabulary of somewhere between 900 words on the low end and up to 2600 on the high end, smashing that thousand word average that a three-year-old should probably be able to say. Of course, the mind of every child is going to develop differently, some have greater aptitude for learning new words than others, and it is a children's cartoon after all, but this is just more evidence to say that JJ's age range is probably falling a bit older than you'd initially expect based on his appearance. This also lines up with two more pieces of evidence you might not expect, where JJ sleeps, and more importantly, where he poops. <laughs> that is a sentence that I just said. That is my life! During the series, we see JJ graduate from a crib into a new, cool, ship-themed bed. Generally, toddlers are ready to move out of a crib and into a toddler bed when they're old enough to walk around and climb out of their crib, just like what we see with JJ, roughly between the ages of 18 and 36 months. Anyway, a baby will typically show signs that they're ready for potty training at roughly 18 months, but some studies show that only 40 to 60% of children are fully trained by the age of three. Both are ages that fit with all our other evidence. The toddler bed, the blonde hair, the ability to walk and how much he sings. But the thing that really cinched JJ's age for me, believe it or not, Shadow Puppets. In the Shadow Puppets song, the power goes out, leaving the Cocomelon house in darkness, and then Daddy decides to entertain the family by making Shadow Puppets. Solid dad move. That right there is Dad Pat approved. By the end of the whole thing, everyone's joined in, making Shadow Puppet snails and rabbits and all that good stuff. But the really interesting thing here, JJ joins in, making a Shadow Puppet dog. And here's why that's important. Being able to make a Shadow Puppet like this takes a lot of dexterity, moving each finger independently and then understanding how objects can move in a three-dimensional space. And though children can get a basic grasp of spatial reasoning by 18 months, to be able to do this sort of precise, dexterous movement with their hands and fingers, these are fine motor skills that a child masters no earlier than the age of three. For JJ to be able to do all this in the Shadow Puppets video, to understand how they work and to make one for himself, he has got to be at least three years old. But this then raises another question, loyal theorists. Does JJ look three years old to you? I don't know about you, but his visual
visual design skews much younger to me. And one thing that really stands out here is JJ's teeth, or lack thereof. Though each child is obviously going to be different, a kid's baby teeth will start coming in as early as five months with the bottom central incisors, those bottom front teeth. But then the rest of the teeth can pop into the mouth between six and 18 months, sometimes even as late as three years old. Already though, given what we found about JJ's age and the fact that he has to be at least three, he should have most, if not all, of his teeth. That right there, that's suspicious. But you know what's even more suspicious? The only teeth he has are his top front teeth, which should be coming in after his bottom front teeth. Now, it's not impossible, but it's definitely very odd. And it tells me that something here isn't quite right. After doing a bit of research, if you see a kid who's JJ's age without a majority of their teeth, while it is possible they might just not have come in yet, there is another possibility, a darker possibility, that they have come in and have since fallen out before they were supposed to. That might seem like an extreme conclusion to jump to, but this actually isn't something all that impossible or uncommon in children. In fact, it's a well-known disorder known as hypophosphatasia, or just HPP for short, and it's not something that I would wish on anyone. HPP is a metabolic disease that disrupts the development of bones, and sadly, it can affect roughly 1 in 100,000 newborns. Basically, it disrupts a process called mineralization, where minerals like calcium and phosphorus are deposited into bones and teeth. Without this crucial step, bones just won't develop properly, causing them to become weak and stunting the child's growth. It can also cause your teeth to break or fall out prematurely, exactly what we might be seeing here with JJ. But the lost teeth? It's not the only sign that we can point to regarding this diagnosis. Just consider how short JJ is. In the video JJ Wants a New Bed, we see several shots of JJ in a typical crib, and using them, we can see that he's the height of roughly eight of these bars. According to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the distance between slats on a crib should be no bigger than 2.4 inches or 6 centimeters, meaning that JJ right here is just 18.9 inches tall, 48 centimeters. That right there, that is not big. It is smaller than how tall a newborn baby boy should be immediately after their birth. Some other symptoms of HPP in infants can include restricted movement and altered gait and skeletal deformities, all of which we see in JJ's enlarged head and awkwardly stiff animation from JJ throughout the series. HPP is a serious disease, which can cause a lot of recurring fractures in places like your feet or your thigh bones. It can also lead to chronic inflammation and joint pain later in life. In the worst of cases, it can even be fatal. It's also an inherited disease, so just like the hair and eye color, JJ would have gotten the genes necessary for his diseases from his parents. This is the true dark secret of Cocomelon. Underneath this happy family facade of nursery rhymes and children's entertainment isn't adoption, it's disease. Thankfully, this isn't one of those stories that has to have an unhappy ending. Though HPP is a rare disorder, it's not impossible to live with, and there have been plenty of advancements in treatment made in just the last decade alone. In 2015, for instance, the FDA approved an enzyme replacement that would help patients with HPP increase their bone mineralization, literally helping them breathe easier. The fact that we, here on Film Theory, have caught this so early with JJ means that the Cocomelon family now has the opportunity to get him the treatment that he needs, a treatment that'll allow him to live a positive, healthy life, while also opening the door for more education about diseases like this to children, if they can possibly fit it in between their songs about baby sharks and potty training. But hey, that's just a theory. A film theory. And cut.